0: what are some symbols that come to mind casket casket Casket. I'm going to get a little gross here electric chair skull and crossbones flatline tombstone can you guys help me think through, why don't we have caskets on the end of our necklaces? Why, why don't we have an electric chair dangling from our rearview mirror as we drive down the street? You see, in the mind of the Jew, in the mind of the Greek, during the era of Jesus Christ, a cross meant nothing but death. Death. Nothing but death. Nothing but pain that you would want to avoid at all cost. So how did we as Christians get to a point where we glorify, where we celebrate an image that had such disdain? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because if, if, if you as a Christian have not dealt with the, the death of Christ in a real and personal way... Dare I say, it is, it, is, it, is, it is something that will cause you to wrestle with being a Christian. Because to understand the death of Christ is to understand the grace of God. And as Christians, we are called, we stand and are placed into a place of grace. But you only get that through understanding death. So will you turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 19 and if you need a Bible please raise your hand Mike's coming through with a Bible And uh, at MacAve, you can ask questions as we're going through the scriptures. So feel free, because our goal is that you would be equipped to live out the gospel. Amen. Will you read with me, family? Now we know that whatever the law, and does, does everyone have a Bible? Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and prophets and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Now family, in order to begin to understand what Paul is speaking of here as we talk about death, uh, not probably the most joyous topic. We've, we've got to first begin to understand who God is. Because he's saying every mouth may be silenced. You're, silence comes from first understanding who God is. You see, God is holy. Holy meaning that he is, he is separate from all, anything sinful. Absolutely Pure. Not corrupted with any speck. And as you look at some of these things, it it begins to make you say, man, that's not how man is. Man actually is corrupted due to sin. God is just. What is right? He he is the one who, who righteousness and who our understanding of what right is flows out of it is a part of his being have you ever um have you ever been driving and uh you pull up to an to an intersection and you see a police officer pull up and they flash the lights in a real fast manner run across the street only to go into burger king (laughs) you know you're like man you're supposed to be upholding the law like we all stopped for that you know like 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 understanding god like like what is right flows out of who God is. And he upholds it with perfect justice. He's righteous. He's pure. But that, that, that flows out of his being. He's not righteous just because of what he does. He's righteous because of who he is. So first, in understanding that you're, he's holy... He's just, he's righteous. It begins to make man realize, wow, we, we are deprived. There's, there's, there's sheer de- depravity. Let me explain it like this. Um, have you ever been good at something? Let's say you are an amazing singer. And your voice is awesome in the city of Detroit. But then you go to a competition that's statewide, and you realize everybody can blow. Then you go to something that's national, and you're like, man, in comparison to them, I, my voice actually isn't that good. That, that's in the face of humans, we realize that we don't have it all together. Even on our best day, step into the presence of God, you realize how inadequate you are. We realize how much we fall short and how much we need a Savior to make up the shortfall. You see, understanding that God is holy forces you you to be silenced. And now the whole world is held accountable. No one among us is declared righteous. So if there's no one among us declared righteous as humans then that means there's a, there's a harmony that God intended that has been corrupted. Because when God created us, he created us out of a love, out of a beauty that we would bear his image and represent him. So I'm going to next switch to this slide that is like so um, amazingly artistically, like it's like 3D, it's going to jump out at you guys. All right, you Ready? so just to give you the background that paul's like i'm assuming that you guys understand these basics the basics is that god has come in love created all things was pleased with it man was one of those things being you and i and then out of love and caring for man we chose to reject him we chose our will instead of his will Adam and Eve sinned. But see, God doesn't simply say, okay, so because of sin, I'm going to ignore y'all. You see, he still is beelining for man. But now instead of beelining with love, he has to judge the sins that we've committed. Now what's beelining for man is wrath. Because you see, God is, while holy, while God is pure, While God is righteous, he is also a judge. And none of those things are in conflict. You know, um, I'll wait to share that. So none of those things are in conflict. And so now the wrath that is headed for man because of sin is what we deserve. But the, the, the beauty is that is that he brings in a, a righteousness that we get to experience that's apart from the law. You see, let me back up real quick. The, the, law, the law helps you realize that God is holy. Because it continues to remind you, oh, I can't do that. I can't measure up. I can't be perfect. But there's a holy God who does, who is. So now, man... I tried, I failed. I'm not perfect, God is. But a righteousness, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. You see, what now happens is God, through Jesus, through faith in Christ, says, I'm going to do two things. First, I'm going to personally allow you to experience righteousness. That wrath that you were supposed to receive, I'm going to take that on your behalf. So that that sin that was committed and you were supposed to die as a result of that, I will take that on in the form of Jesus. Can someone tell me here what role man played in that? What what did you do to earn that? What what works did we perform to get us out of that situation? The harmony was broken. Did I study the Bible enough? Did I memorize enough scripture to get me back in right standing? So now, Lord, the wrath is elsewhere. No, no works. I'm going to keep asking that same question throughout our time today. But not not only does he allow us to personally experience his righteousness in the sense that he steps in the gap for us and and we don't receive the wrath. He also now says, I'm going to change your nature. You see, you are a slave to sin, but I'm going to make you a slave to righteousness now. Think of it in these terms. Let's say a mom and dad are driving home with the kids. And the kids are going crazy in the backseat. I mean, they start fighting. They start smacking one another. Would the parents be perfectly just if they pulled, off the, pulled the car to the side of the road and handled business? I'm talking spanking action. I mean, would they be just to handle things right then? Would they also be just if they said, hey, you know what, babe, just stay calm. When we get home, we're going to handle this. You see, sometimes we look at God's righteousness and we're like, well, wow, you know, because he's been merciful, I guess he can't be just. Not at all. Those two things are not in, in conflict at all. Just as the parent choosing to wait until they get home or handling it right then and there has freedom and authority to extend mercy and justice when they please. We're going to see that all throughout the Old Testament, God is extending mercy until Jesus comes. He's extending mercy and the beauty of the cross is that it reaches forward and it reaches back and it satisfies wrath on both ends, past and future. So he not only saves you from wrath and his righteousness is extended towards you, he then makes you righteous. And the only way that you experience, the only medium for access to that type of righteousness is faith. Faith faith man that's a hard one for us to get because our whole lives we're told to work hard our whole lives we're told if you pick yourself up by your bootstraps you'll make it and when we look even if it's not a work ethic thing even if it's the component of you examining your sin and it's a self-doubt thing god you couldn't do all that for me look at my heart Look at my sin. Why would you stand in a righteous gap for me? I'm so bad. But that's, that's, that shouldn't bring forth self doubt. That should bring forth joy. That should bring forth freedom. That should bring forth liberation. Because now, God, I get it. <laughs> On my worst day, I'm sinful. And on my best day, I'm sinful. And your righteousness covers it all. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man, so if we run with that same, let's, let's, let's run with that same component, that same illustration of, of the parents in the car, and they can choose when they extend mercy, when they extend justice. But you see, like there's, there's an internal component that's missing from that illustration. So imagine one of the kids has great self-doubt. So they say, man, they smack their brother. And then they say, I'm just horrible. I'm the worst thing in the world, mom. How could you ever love me? Does the mom simply just ignore him? Oh, don't worry about it. Eat your crackers. Not at all. That that, that punishment is still going to come. But you then what? You care for the child. You say, no, I love you. You are not horrible. The, this, the self-doubt that you're heaping on yourself, you remind them of who they are. And God, in a loving way, while allowing his mercy and his, and his, and his righteousness to impact us, by making us righteous, he reminds us of who he created us to be. He reminds us of the initial love experience that, the, that Adam and Eve had in the garden where they could just simply delight in the holiness of the Father. Be in the presence of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Sin, I, I, We talk about sin and we begin to run tangents. Sin at its basic level is any offense that's to God. Any offense that's to God. But Isaiah says clearly, hey, we were created to bring God glory. That was the intent. That was the reason by which we were created. So sin mars and distorts It stops us from fully being able to be who God has created us to be. But thank the Lord for this free justification that he gives through the redemption of his son. John Bunyan says it like this. Makes you think of Paul Bunyan, doesn't it? No, John Bunyan says it like this. He says, sinner, thou thinkest that because of thy sins and thy infirmities, I cannot save thy soul. He's speaking for God in this in this excerpt. But behold, my son is by me, and upon him I look, and not on thee, and will deal with thee according as I am pleased with him. Am pleased with him. You see, in Paul's day, before Christ, Paul had the understanding that he would work hard as a Jew. He would do as much as he can to uphold the law every day. And at the end, when he was judged, God would make him righteous. But see, once he encounters Christ, he realizes that is totally backwards. No, you don't get made righteous at the last day. God makes us righteous now. But if that's true, my friends, if that's true for all of us, if he makes us righteous now, then it again smacks works in the face. Because how can he make you righteous now based on works you haven't done yet? How can he make you righteous now based on the keeping of the law that you haven't done yet? Tomorrow hasn't come. Yet you are righteous today. The only way you experience, embrace that, the only way you can truly identify and walk in that is through faith. (laughs) Because let me tell you, there's days where it is extremely tough. And you can't, you can't walk this out based on proof, you know. Oh, well, because I'm righteous, no more pain happens. Oh, because I'm righteous, everything is going to go great for me. It's faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross and faith in who he has made us to be. New slaves to righteousness. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. I'm, I'm going to read a few things, and I'm going to give you guys a, yeah, y'all kind of tired in here. I need to have y'all do some exercises. Come on. Uh, atonement, it's the covering of sins. it It is, is—it's—it in the Hebrew language, atonement and mercy seat were the same. And the mercy seat is the lid. You know what? Come here, Kenny. Let me get you right quick. Come here, Matthew. Get y'all brothers up here. All right. So I need you to stand here. Hit me like this. Bow. All right. Hit me like that. Bow. Okay. So this this picture right here is a picture of the tabernacle. We've just walked into the Old Testament. Standing before us is the Ark of the Covenant. And God says in his word, you're going to create an Ark of a Covenant. Now, on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant is a seraphim. And there's a lid right here over the Ark of the Covenant. That lid is called the mercy seat in Hebrew, but in Greek it's called atonement. And what happens on this lid, what happens on this mercy seat is that this is the place where God's presence is going to be. Moses comes. He talks to God at this point. The high priest, when he comes and presents an offering before the people, it is right here. So on the day of atonement, When high priest goes before God to say all the sins of our people over this past year, Lord, will you please forgive it? When he comes and he sprinkles blood to signify the the death that needed to occur that wouldn't happen to the people, but what happened to that animal, when that symbolically happens, it happens right here at the mercy seat. Right here at the mercy seat. So So what's greatly different is that out here, there's a curtain. And the only one fit to come past that curtain is the high priest. So the high priest comes in, sprinkles the blood, atones for the death. And now, now we have a a beautiful picture of God meeting his people when they are in sin. Fast forward with me. All right, brothers. Thank you. Good job, right? Fast forward with me, Mark 15, verse 38. This is what happens when Jesus dies. That place, that place that was reserved only for the high priest, right? Like, like. So we we sometimes because of church today, like we water down the holy component of God. You see, when, when, when people were coming to the tabernacle, they weren't expected, expecting to experience God in the foyer. You know, like his spirit wasn't just rolling around like, oh, y'all getting bagels? Cool. Hey, you in the bathroom? What up, Bob? You know, like, like it was only in the place, only in the holy of holies that you were going to experience the fullness of God. And there was a, a curtain that separated us from being able to experience, from us being able to experience that. But upon the death of Christ, we see throughout the Gospels that that curtain is torn. It's torn in two from top to bottom. The writer of Hebrews says it like this Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, Open for us, excuse me, through the curtain, that is His body, and since we have a great High Priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that works brings. Oh wait, I'm sorry. That our effort brings, that our commitment and our steadfastness brings. For those online listening, I'm not misquoting the Bible. I'm using an example. (laughs) That faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. My friends, without death, we don't enter that presence. Without death, that, that mercy seat experience where the sins are covered, where, where someone is bringing the sin and the wrath that we're supposed to receive, bringing that before God, and God is forgiving it, and God is, is, is washing it clean. Without Christ, that doesn't happen for us. We continue to bring forth animals. And guess what? We weren't cleansed after animals, we weren't, we weren't, see, what, what God does, he doesn't say, hey, Matthew, now that I see you, you're, with, you're, you're a great guy now. He says, look, the wrath I'm bringing towards you, Jesus gets. So when I look at you, I see you through the lens of Jesus. I don't see you as now just doing better. I see my son's blood covering you. And that's what restores us. That's what makes us whole. That's what makes us righteous. That's what liberates us. Sin is removed from believers' conscience and from the presence of God. You see, God is also saying, Hey, I'm not keeping a track list of the things you've done wrong. So now, the wrath that you were going to get that no longer is being extended towards you because Jesus took on all of that. But also, I will remember their sins no more. You see, in a, state of, in a state of sin, we're constantly mocking God. We're constantly spitting in His face, if you will. We're constantly rejecting Him. But now, standing in a place of grace, now because of the cross, He looks upon us through the lens of Jesus, and remembers our sins no more. Why? Because we're made new. And the only reason you experience that is because of the death of Christ. If Christ doesn't doesn't die, if if he doesn't hung upon a cross, then we don't don't get to experience that renewal. Romans says it like this. It's going to to compare the two men of Adam and, and, and Jesus. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed by many trespasses brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in the life through one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Righteous. So now, my friends... We get to see the, the the we get to see how Jesus steps in on our behalf, and now the result of His death covers us in grace. You are blanketed with grace. There's one last one last illustration that I want to give you guys, and it's and it's um, from the Word. In Numbers 21. I think there's some a couple valuable things we can learn from here. This is in reference to the people of Israel, saying they traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on their way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous, venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. My family, two two quick points from this text. The first is the response of God to their sin is painful. And, there, and, and this specifically is a snake. A snake that comes in the form of biting people and they end up dying. But it's interesting that the same snake that brings upon death when used by God brings upon healing. That same vehicle there and, and we, we see this theme in other areas of the Bible. You know, one man commits sin. Adam falls, you get Jesus justifies all. You know, there's a couple great songs that talk about, you know, the the sin that happens at the tree, the restoration that happens of Jesus on a tree. Death, my friends, death, which was deserved and, and, and we were going to receive as a part of the wrath of God. Now, through death, Jesus uses it to give us liberation, to change our being, to make us righteous. But notice something on here. Did it say he took the snakes away? What, what, did the snakes still bite people? It's interesting that, you know, we can sometimes think because we get saved it's not going to be painful. But it says here that like um, in nine, so Moses made a bronze snake, put it up. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake <laughs> and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. My friends, I want to encourage you that you having faith in Christ, it may be painful at times. You having having been made righteous doesn't remove you from the sin that affects this world it doesn't remove you from hurt dare I say every hurt that you've ever experienced is from sin whether it was someone who stole your tax money someone who robbed you someone who punched you someone who lied to you the root of every time you've been hurt in this world has come from sin but praise the Lord that we are not slaves to sin anymore. And that Christ, through his death, deals with the, 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 the punishment of sin on our behalf. So lastly, there's this um, Native American. Um, excuse me. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. At present time is basically helping us understand that, that the cross reaches forward and back. And that it covers, it covers all wrongs. But God, Jesus is in a unique position as God's representative with man and man's representative with God. A righteous God and a Savior. Presenting us blameless before the Father, but also making us righteous as we are here. My friends, there was um, there was a a bunch of receipts found from the era and the time of Christ, and on those receipts was the word to which means it is finished. And that 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 phrase, it is finished, is what is what is a, is a legal term, meaning all settled, completely squared away. And so the sixth word of saying that Christ spoke from the cross was that same word, meaning it is finished. And that he that is is completely done. No new sacrifices come after him. No, no new no new blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. We see the curtain torn, the temple rocked. Because now we don't have anything separating us from the Holy of Holies, from God Himself. Now He has blessed us with access to the Father. Through the death of Jesus. A Native American tribe had a had a chief who continued to have a thief in the community. And for months they could not find out who the thief was. There was a pole that stuck right in the middle of town, and any time someone was to commit a commit a crime, they would cling to that pole and be whipped and lashed. And and ten whippings, you'd remember it for the rest of your life. Thirty whippings, you would probably lose a limb. Fifty or more whippings, you were pretty much certain to die. And so as they continued to try to find out who this thief was, the chief continued to raise the ante. Okay, when you get caught, 15 lashings. When you get caught, 40 lashings. When you get caught, 100 lashings. And at the end, the chief came to find out that the person stealing was his mother. And so as his mother began to hold the pole, he walked over to the executioner, handed him the, the whip, and said, proceed, but wait. He walked over, moved his mother out the way, grabbed the pole, and ordered him to commence the lashings, dying on behalf of his mom. My friends, that, 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 that story pales into com- in, in comparison to what Christ has done on your behalf. Still allowing God to extend his justice, his mercy, through the death of Christ, calming the wrath that we were supposed to experience. But may you be liberated to know that Jesus took all of that on your behalf and has asked one thing of you, that you would believe it by faith. Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? May we look at the cross that's upon our necks, the cross that are, that's in our cars, Father. And may it lead us to worship. May it lead us to thankfulness. May it free us from any type of, 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 of works-based theology that we may have, God, may it force us to see how much we fall short but how much you make up the shortfall. (laughs) God, I pray that our people would just be impacted by the way they, 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 they even share the gospel. For a gospel that challenges people without talking about the death of you is not the gospel at all. For Lord, your death on our behalf is what defines the good news. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.